This is a day where we typically think about the sacrifice Christ made, Palm Sunday. And I want to give an encouragement now. We, we want to remember our soldiers who are in different places, away from home, faithful to their country. And they need to be encouraged. And so over the next weeks, we want to encourage the Kingsway family to write cards to the soldiers that we know, those that we care about that are stationed away from home. And then come Memorial Day weekend, we want to have a time of just praying and asking that God will send those cards where He wants them to go and uh, that His blessing will be upon that labor of love. And if you know someone that you want us to include on that list so that we can be writing cards of encouragement to soldiers, please let us know. We want to be able to put those on the screen, the addresses and names as we go by so that we can continue to do that and to serve and to be hopefully an encouragement to our soldiers. That would be a great time, good opportunity for us. And remember tonight too, we're going to have... Um, as part of our service, an opportunity to pray for the youth ministry and the block party that's coming at the end of June. Um, we know we want to serve our Lord, but we know that a big part of being able to serve our Lord is crying out to God to take over and to be at work. Because whatever we do, if God's not at work, then it's going to fall feeble. And so uh, I encourage you to prepare for that as uh, Eric is going to lead that tonight, that part. So... Uh, Encouraged for that. But we just want to have uh, two verses here of Scripture and then jump into the message this morning. Title the message, Can You Drink from This Cup? Jesus talks about His coming death and then He tells us that we too are to deny ourselves, take up a cross and follow Him. But uh, turn with me first to John chapter 3, verse 3. Then we're going to go to Luke chapter 9 and look at verse 23. And I'm going to ask when you find John 3, 3, if you'll stand in God's honor as a read from the Scriptures as a way of showing our respect to the living Lord. John 3, 3. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Then turn back with me to Luke chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Let's pray. Lord, how awesome it is to be here to worship You, the Living One. You were willing to go to a cross, although You did not do anything, Father, worthy of such severe punishment and death. Yet You loved us, and so You chose to go to the cross. But that's not the end of the story. You did not stay in some tomb that You are the risen One. You are alive and that's our hope. God, as we worship You, we look to the One who's alive. We look to the One who provides us hope for life after death. Look for the One who gives life now to 
to really live for us to have that opportunity, God. And I just ask that you lead us in the time that remains. Thank you so far for blessing us through each aspect and part of this worship service that we've been able to worship you, God. And I just ask that continue, Lord. We just need your blessing upon us, God. We need to continue to hear from you. And so may your spirit speak to us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Jesus came not merely to live, but to die. And as we think about Palm Sunday, we think about the fact that you know you had this group of people and, and they were yelling His praises. They were singing Hosanna to Him in the highest. And then the next week, they were the same ones who were yelling, or not the next week, but just uh, hours later, they were the same ones that were yelling, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Jesus came to give of Himself. He came to die. And He calls us to such a walk. But the beginning of that walk comes by receiving a gift. Not according to anything that we do, but a gift. Jesus says, unless a man's born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It comes not by anything that we do, or anything that we've done, or anything that we will do, but it comes simply by believing upon His finished work. You know, I don't think we can possibly understand that. We have within us this desire of we have to earn it. We have to do it in order to receive it. I mean, you know, you you get a paycheck because you do a job. That's the way it works. Uh, A number of years ago, a company came up with this incredible idea. Instant cake mix. All you have to do is pour the contents in a bowl and add water and Stir it up, put it in the oven, and bam, there you go, it's done. The problem was they put it on the market and it did not sell. Couldn't figure out what the problem was. So they began to investigate it, and the problem was people didn't trust it. It just simply sounded too easy. So they came back, changed the contents, and then the direction said, put the contents in a bowl, add one egg and water, stir it up, and bam, Instant success. What happened? Well, the people didn't trust. Just add water. There has to be something else to add. But it really worked when they included the egg, when they changed the directions. We have no idea. Well, trust Jesus. But surely that's not really enough. There has to be something else to add. There has to be something else in there that God wants me to do other than just trust Him, other than just believe in Him, other than just place my life in His hands. But there's not. There's nothing else to add to God's formula, to God's ingredients. When Jesus said at Calvary, it is finished, that's what He meant. The necessary work was completed there. It says in Titus 3.5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Guys, it's not about what we've been able to check off through accomplishment. It's about His mercy that's shown to us. But there's a difference between the initial start of the Christian life, of receiving the gift, and of growing in an understanding of what it means to belong to Jesus. And that's what we want to look at this morning. We talk about Jesus 
and His willingness to die. But yet He calls us to die to self. And to begin to grow in understanding what it means to follow Him. That's so difficult for us because we we don't want to die, we want to live. Like someone has said, the problem with the living sacrifices is it's always trying to crawl off the altar. And that's the way we are. What do we want to do? We want to please other people. I remember in Acts when Peter and the other apostles got in trouble and Peter said, we must obey God rather than men. Let me think of Proverbs 29, 25. It says, uh, well, let's look at it. Uh, Proverbs 29, 25. Turn me over there. What a true piece of advice. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. If your ultimate goal is to please people, man, it's a it's a trap. But to trust in the Lord, that's where there's safety and security. Um, I often share stuff from Max Lucado. I want to share a, a story that he had written. Man, that guy's so gifted at creativity. But this is the way we are. We want to try to please everybody, and we want to be like this for you, and like this for you, and like this for somebody else, and never discover who we really are in Christ. Uh, it's a, called the uh, Yay Yuck Man. <laughs> so this story about a man named Bob. He loved to make people happy. He lived to make people happy. He lived in a land where everyone wore coats. Bob never asked why. He only asked which. Which coat should I wear? Bob's mother loved blue, so to please her, he wore a blue coat. And since he never left his house and saw no one but his mother, he was happy for she was happy. Bob grew up, got a job. First day of his first job, he got up early, put on his best blue coat and walked down the street. The crowds on the street, however, didn't like blue coats. They liked green coats. Everyone on the street wore a green coat. When the people saw his blue coat, they said, Yuck! Bob felt guilty because he heard a yuck come out of people's mouths. He dashed into a clothing store and bought a green coat. When he arrived at work, he walked into his boss's office wearing a green coat. Yuck, said his boss. Bob thought his boss must be like his mother, so he put on his blue coat. Double yuck, responded the boss. His boss got up, walked to the closet, and produced a yellow coat. We like yellow coats here, he instructed. When it was time to go home, Bob replaced the yellow coat with a green coat and walked through the streets. Just before he got to his house, he put the blue coat over the green and yellow coat and went inside. Bob learned that life with three coats was hard. He was always hot and his movements were strained. But with time, Bob realized he could change the color of his coats with ease. With practice, he was able to shed one coat and replace it with another in a matter of seconds. Bob was very pleased. Everybody liked Bob because everyone thought he was just like them. Bob was elected mayor, president of his company. One day, some yellow-coated people stormed into his office. We found a criminal that needs to be executed, they announced, shoving a man toward Bob's desk. Bob was shocked. This man wasn't wearing a coat at all. Just a t-shirt. Where's your coat? asked Bob. I don't wear one, replied the man. You don't have a coat. I don't want one. It's not their approval I seek. Bob had never heard such words. He didn't know what to say. I'm here to show people they don't have to please people. I'm here to tell the truth. 
Who are you? asked Bob. The man answered simply, Who are you? Who are you? Are you a child of the King? Do you belong to the Father through Jesus Christ, the Son? Do you know what that means? Is the goal of your life to put on the yellow coat when you need it, or the green coat, or the blue coat, and run from place to place to place to make sure that you please everybody? Or is your goal to please your Heavenly Father? God loves us as we are, even when we're wearing these different coats, even when we're so worried about approval. But we don't have to worry about His approval. Guys, that's what... This time of year, that's what our hope is all about. That the approval of God was won at Calvary by the one who died for you and who died for me and who gave us hope and who, who's given us security and, and, and shown us what it's about. But the bottom line of it is, although He offers us that life and that hope, we have to receive it. We received the gift of eternal life, but He also calls us to receive the gift of living that life day to day. Of going further than... Just waiting to die and to go into glory, but to live in that strength and power now, that resurrection power that's available for the moment. And that's what we want to look at uh, this morning as we think about His death and then His resurrection life, that we're called to die to self and to live in His life. And uh, let's look in Luke chapter 9. We see a bunch of guys that we, we understand the struggle They had a desire of what they wanted Jesus to do and to be. And He shocked them and disappointed them as often Jesus does when we want Him to obey us instead of having a desire to ultimately obey Him. Starting at verse 18 of Luke 9. Once when Jesus was praying in private and His disciples were with Him, He asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. Jesus praying in private with the Heavenly Father, knowing what's just around the corner, His disciples don't have a clue. He wants them to understand what life's really about. He's leading the way. And so his his call comes in. He says, okay guys, what's everybody saying? What's the talk out there? What's the talk on the streets of of who others say? And so he tells them. But then he comes back to a personal nature. It always comes this way, guys. It's not merely what does everybody else think. What merely is everybody else's opinion? Where does everybody else stand? But it always comes back to an issue of what do you, what do you believe? Because the bottom line is when it comes time to stand before the God of heaven, He is not going to ask me, what do they believe? But He is going to ask me, Todd, who is Jesus? It comes to that. And so he says to them, Who do you say I am? And good old Peter, you never know if he's going to hit the home run or if he's going to 
do worse than strike out, hit the pitcher and knock him cold and put him in the hospital. You just don't know what Peter's going to do. What about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, the Christ of God. Wow. Man, he nails it. He, he, he specifies clearly and quickly who Jesus is. Yay, Peter. But then he goes on, and as he talks, it's not what the disciples want to hear. What do they want Jesus to say? They want him to say, well, guys, I'm king of kings. I'm going to come in here. I'm going to get rid of these notorious Romans that are making our lives miserable. I'm going to kick them out. I'm going to take the throne. You guys are going to be my right-hand men. You're going to be beside me. You're going to get all kinds of perks. Life's going to be good. And men, we're just going to enjoy it. Because I'm in charge and you're with me. And, and it's just it's going to be a great ride. That's their hope. That's what they're looking for. But that's not what Jesus says. Notice what Jesus says instead of that. He said the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, teachers of the law, and He must be killed on the third day and on the third day be raised to life. Look at those verbs. Not what they wanted to hear. Suffer. He must suffer. He must be rejected. And he will be killed. And ultimately raised to life. But I don't think they heard that far. I think they heard the rejected suffering, being killed, and, and that stuck in their mind. What are you talking about, Lord? What are you, what are you doing? They wanted the easy life. Kind of like the mountaineer who Man, he he had the he was the greatest rifleman in the area, you know. He never missed his target. And so finally they came to him and said, How in the world do you always hit your target? He said, Man, it's easy. He said, I just fire my gun and then I go to my target and I look to see, you know, uh where the bullets landed and then I draw a bullseye around it. I always hit my target. If we want the deeper life of Christ, we don't draw the bullseye around it. Sometimes that's kind of the way we live. But that's not God's calling. There is a specific target. There is a specific deeper life that Jesus has for us that He longs for us to know. But often that's not what we would choose. Why? Because of what's involved. It's not easy. It's not what we prefer. We want convenience. That's not what He wants us to have. Look what He says, uh, verse 23. He said to them all, If anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for Me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his own, uh, lose or forfeit his very self. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes into his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. 
Now, I want to focus just for a moment on this uh, verse 23, Jesus' statement. And he, he said this to them all. He didn't point out one of the disciples, one of his followers. He said this to everyone that was in the room. And he says that to all of us. This is not specifically for a particular person or type of person in the body of Christ. It's for all of us. Notice the first thing he says there. Uh, if anyone would come after me, he says he must deny himself. To deny is to say no to. It is to disown. Self constantly wants to be petted, stroked, hugged, kissed, <laughs> adored. And Jesus says no. Say no. To self. Disown self and the control of self. Secondly, notice he says, and take up his cross daily. We look at crosses, adorn people's necks through all kinds of jewelry. They're used in churches as things of beauty to behold and to to look at. Many people uh, look at the cross and the splendor and the glory of it. But initially, that's not what depicts a cross. A cross is known for suffering. A cross is known for pain. The cross was the place that Jesus Christ suffered and He died. You see, what the cross really speaks about is suffering. And Jesus looked at His followers who wanted Him to say, Hey man, I want this. Uh, Lord, I want You to give me a life of ease. And He came to them and He said, If you want to follow Me, guys, you need to deny yourself. You need to pick up your cross daily. And you need to follow Me. And that's the deeper life. That's, that's what He says that He wants His followers to do. And that's what He calls us to. That's what He wants us to know. And He lived that. What were we like before Jesus? Uh, look at Ephesians 2, uh, real briefly here. first four verses describe what we're like apart from Jesus Christ. We think that we're something special that deserves to be cuddled, but the truth of the matter is, apart from Jesus, we are all just simply a mess. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Man. What a, what a depressing point of view when we look at how the wonderful people are and human nature is and all of that. And, and here it says, objects of wrath. People who need a Savior. Man, that's what it's talking about. People who desperately need a Savior. And Jesus provided that. Now, I want to look at uh, John chapter 18 that also depicts this same event in the life of Jesus Christ here. John 18, when He had finished praying, 
Remember it said that when we looked at this in Luke 9 that he had been praying privately. Do you want to know what he was praying? John 17, right? The awesome prayer. The awesome prayer of Jesus Christ as he prepared himself. He had prayed for all believers just before that. He had prayed for you. He prayed for me. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples. Okay, guys, it's time to go. Now that you've heard why I'm here, now that you've heard what I want of you, it's time to go. He left with them. He crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove where he and he and his disciples went into it. He went there to the place, the garden, the place of struggle. As he crossed the Kidron Valley, uh, guys, there was a channel there. A channel there, and, and this was a very painful time of year. This was the time of sacrifice. This was the time where the animals were sacrificed for the sins of the people. Uh, some scholars have said there was a possibility of uh, as many as 256,000 lambs that were sacrificed. And the blood poured as it went through the Kidron Valley, as it went through that channel. It, it was not unusual. I mean, 256,000 lambs and that blood is flowing through the channel. And as Jesus walked with His disciples through the Kidron Valley, it had to be obvious as He looked. He must have seen the blood that flowed that flowed because of the lambs that had died, that had been sacrificed, whose necks had been, throats had been slit. What must that have been like? They had just heard Jesus said that I must suffer, I must be rejected, I must die. And here they walk and they see the obvious signs of death as the blood flowed and as the Lamb of God struggled as He would walk to the garden as he would walk to this place. Um, notice it says next, uh, Judas who betrayed him knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. Judas, the betrayer, they were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked him, Who is it you want? He knew all that, right? He said knowing everything, but he asked the question, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am He, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am He, they drew back and fell to the ground. The glory of Jesus Christ could not be missed, even by these guys. Again He asked them, Who is it you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am He, Jesus answered. If you're looking for Me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Isn't it interesting that 
they came expecting a big fight. They had lanterns, they had swords. Why? Because Jesus was no dummy. They knew that. They had heard Him teach. They knew He was sharp. They expected there was going to be this big fight and that they had to be prepared. So they had their swords, they had their lanterns, and they came, but Jesus didn't fight. Why did Jesus not fight? Why did He not resist? He'd already been in battle. He'd already fought on His knees. Praying, God, if you can take this cup from me, take it! Remove it! I don't want to do this, Lord! But if there's no other way, your will be done. He already fought the battle. The battle had already been won. He, he struggled with his humanity. He, you know, the, the sweat fell like blood for, as he prayed, as he cried out to God, as he struggled, as he s- submitted himself to the Father fully, totally. As he was that ultimate follower, as he took that deeper step, as he demonstrated that. I think it's interesting here though, it doesn't sound like us. You know, God, we're called to follow you. We're called to go after your example. Look at old Peter, man. We love Peter because we understand Pete. Right? Peter, you know, he was asleep when Jesus was praying, right? He was snoring, cutting Z's. He hadn't done the battle. So he came ready to do battle. He came ready to fight. Verse 10, Then Simon Peter, who had a sword... (laughs) That word for sword actually speaks of a a small weapon, a double-edged dagger that Peter was able, I'm sure, to hide in his cloak, ready to fight, ready to use, but out of sight. Jesus had already fought. Peter came to fight. And man, I thought, that is so much like us. Lord, I'm yours. Lord, I'll give it to you, Lord, but let me... You know, have a couple of rounds here anyway. See if I can take out this irritant, this enemy. But Jesus said, take your cross. Deny yourself. Follow me. Peter hadn't learned that. He had said he had been with Jesus, but he was ready to strike. And so what did he do? Well, as we see here in the text, he cut off this guy's ear. <laughs> said he struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, Put your sword away. Shall not drink the cup the Father has given me. What a sign that must have been. Peter came to fight. Jesus said, Put your sword away. And of course we know from another gospel that Jesus in His mercy took the ear and touched Malchus's head and healed him. But I believe actually that what really is going on here, I don't think Peter meant to cut off his ear. I think Malchus ducked. I think he wanted to cut off his head. Man, he's out to really do the job. Man, we're not called to fight each other. We're not even ultimately called to fight the devil. We're called to submit to the Father. That's the battle. That's the fight. God, help me walk your way. Help me to be your disciple and to get in tune with your will, to align my life with you and your word and to be willing to deny self. And to take up my cross and to follow you in obedience. And and to be faithful to you, Lord. Uh, That's what you want, Lord. That's what you want. Just a couple of thoughts here. Uh, 
about being a disciple. First, every disciple has a purpose to be fulfilled. We often quote Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope and a future, to give you life. You know, God knows those things. He, he has a purpose for us as His followers to fulfill. Uh, secondly, with that purpose, there's a cup to be drunk. You know, the thing about a cup, it's a, not a large object, just to hold a little bit to drink. And often, the biggest things to deal with in life are small irritants. They just drive us crazy. But that we are called to deal with. Thirdly, in every cup, there's pain to be endured. It might be a physical type of suffering. It might be emotional. Um, it might not be as obvious as some, but for all of God's followers, there is a pain to be endured. And then lastly, through every pain, there's victory to be claimed. We do not have to live in utter torment, guys. When the cross is to be carried, God promises at the end of that there is victory. And we're called to live in that victory and to claim that victory and to uh, live in His victory, to to find His strength uh, to give our life to Him. But that requires sacrifice. I remember a few years ago reading about a guy who was a mountain climber and he he climbed up a mountain he was by himself and something happened that caused his hand to become wedged in the cliff and uh, he couldn't free himself and he was literally starving to death up there by himself on the mountain. Finally, in desperation, he literally had to cut off his hand in order to be set free and to live was a great sacrifice. It was the only way he could make it out of there. For us to have a deeper walk with God, He calls us often to to sacrifice. I, I don't know what it is. Cut off a hand, a foot, gouge out an eye. He talks about that. But they're just pictures of the fact that in order to gain, we have to give up. In order to attain the deeper life, we have to be willing to give Someone has said we're most like God when we're willing to give and forgive. Without forgiveness, without a willingness to give, we can't be real disciples. I want to close with an excerpt from this uh, speech by Fred Craddock, who was addressing a group of ministers. And I read this and I thought, man, this is the way discipleship is. We think about it being some big celebrity status type of event for God where others will write about us in the newspaper, man, and they'll know how great a disciple I am, you know. But it's really not like that. Craddock writes, To give my life for Christ appears glorious. To pour myself out for others. To pay the ultimate price of martyrdom. I'll do it. I'm ready, Lord, to go out in a blaze of glory. We think giving our all to the Lord is like taking a thousand dollar bill and laying it on the table. Here's my life, Lord. I'm giving it all. But the reality for most of us is that He sends us to the bank and has us cash in a thousand dollars worth of quarters. We go through life putting out twenty-five cents here and fifty cents there. Listen to the neighbor's kids' troubles instead of saying, get lost. Go to a committee meeting, give a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love, twenty-five cents at a time. 
It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. Guys, as we think about his death today and his life, I guess my challenge to each of us is, will we be the kind of people that are willing to give our lives out a quarter at a time? Let's pray. Father, thank you for a time to be here, Lord, to think about the love of Jesus Christ that was so great it compelled Him to go to the cross. And Lord, we're called to be like our Master. We're called to be a people who are willing to sacrifice. And we don't like that message. It doesn't appeal to us. It hurts. But yet, God, that's what You want. And uh, I just pray, Father, for those here today, for all of us. Speak to us, God. Show us what that means. It may mean different things to the ones listening, but Your Holy Spirit speaks. Just speak to us, Lord. What, what, what are we supposed to do? What, how is sacrifice expressed? What, what do You want, God? Father, we know though it begins with receiving the gift of eternal life. And we want to make sure, God, that everyone here has done that. I pray You speak to hearts. May no one leave today without knowing, without having a confidence that they have said yes to Jesus Christ and found life. Because you can't earn that life. It has to be received. Because it's already been earned on a hill long ago by the Son of God giving Himself freely. So, Father, uh, if someone here needs to find that today, may they find that. May they open their hearts and say, Father, forgive me, a sinner. I take the perfect gift of Jesus Christ and receive life that's forever and life that enables me to live in victory now. Uh, If that's where you are here today, receive that gift. Uh, For the rest of us, God, who... I just want to wear the different coats and get caught up in caring ultimately about what people think. We don't want to intentionally make people mad, but help us see, God, there's a bigger plan. Help us to see that we're called to deny self and to take up the cross and to follow You daily. Father, just bring us to the altar. Just bring us to the front. Just bow our hearts where we are. Just do what You want to do in our lives today, God. We need you, God. So just work freely. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.